to the coach v show i am excited to share with you just an amazing story of my boy aaron tuyoti mariner came over from samoa as a young child grew up in santa Ana, california and now is on the verge of getting his phd and he is now professor t at adam state university he and his wife melissa have five children two of which are doing very well in terms of their academic pursuance and degrees it is that they're trying to achieve and it's just an amazing polynesian story uh but that whether if you're polynesian or not i assure you to get some notes out so a notebook bat pad and a notebook and some pens and start taking some notes or do it on your iphone because this guy is going to be dropping some knowledge thank you so much for tuning in and now a word from our sponsor <laughs> Welcome to the Coach V Show, your Hollywood radio show for personal development with expert insights and interviews to help you, me, and we work to be our best and live our best life. Offering for your consideration through some of my insights, but definitely through the featured guests, it is that we have these success frameworks, behavioral models, and life lessons that if you should find value in them, that you now subscribe and deploy all over your life, leadership, and business here on the Coach V Show, where iron sharpens iron. Together we rise, powered by the Island City Media Group, where the beach meets the streets. Today, we're in Colorado, and we have brought in Brother Aaron Tuyoti Mariner, who was raised in Orange County, California, and graduated from the Adams State University with a Bachelor of Science a degree in Business Administration in 2002. Upon completing his degree, he began working in marketing and advertising for seven years before returning to Adams State University to begin graduate school and coach with the football program. Coach T spent four seasons with the ASU football program as the running backs coach in 2010 and linebackers coach 11, 12, and 14. And outside of teaching at the ASU campus, Professor T was also the head football coach at Alamosa High School in Sanford. Upon his return to ASU, he completed a Master's of Arts in Sports Administration in 2011 and an MBA in 2012 with an emphasis on leadership. We love leadership on the Coach V Show. Aaron began working on his PhDZ. Oh my goodness. 
at the University of New Mexico in sports administration and is currently completing his work, his coursework with Concordia University out of Chicago and expected to complete that here in about two years in 2025. In 2011, he began working in higher education as an MBA program specialist with, with the School of Business before moving to a full-time faculty position with human performance and physical education, 2013. His most recent positions before returning to Adams State was a national sports recruiting specialist for NCSA and director of quality assurance and culture for one of the largest customer service centers in Nevada. Outside of work, he enjoys spending time with his wife and his five children, going to sporting events, watching movies, and relaxing with his dog, Fresno. His family composite is his wife, Melissa. Lincoln, who is the oldest, who is at the Air Force Prep Academy. Malia, who is at the University of Colorado. And then Olivia, Elinessi, and Nafanua round out the Fantastic Five. Welcome to the Coach V Show. Your boy, Coach T, Professor T, Brother Aaron, to the OT Mariner. Brother Aaron, thank you for making time for coming on the show, brother. Thank you, Coach V. Appreciate it. Glad to be on and uh, very excited to, to chop it up and uh, talk leadership, talk whatever you want. So glad to be on. Thank you for having Man, me. Thank you, brother. Let's, let's, start, let's start with your genesis point. Where did you start? Where did you grow up? Introduce us to your parents. We know your lovely wife now, Melissa and the kids. Introduce us to your parents, because that's the first thing like Polynesian want to know, whose kid is that, right? Take us through that Genesis point, please, Aaron. Absolutely. So uh, my parents is, uh, are Frank at uh, Frank and Antorini. Uh, Frank is uh, my father. He grew up in Baisulu uh, Savai in Samoa, and my mom grew out in the, grew up in the countryside of Samoa in, in Alipata. And uh, I grew up or was born in Apia, Samoa, which is... Uh, in town, and we lived in a small village outside of town in Apia, uh, which is the village of uh, Tuleele. And uh, mm -hmm. that's that's my roots. Uh, a lot of my family come from Savai and the countryside. Uh, so, you know, uh, at a young age, you know, uh, two years old, uh, my family, my grandparents actually uh, moved to Southern California and, and searched for, for the dream. I think that's a lot of uh, similar stories uh, of parents and grandparents is uh, the search for the dream. Uh, and that was a similar case for our family, for the Toyota Mariner family. Um, and so my grandparents moved out to California first, and then my parents moved out uh, to California years later. Um, and you know, every Polynesian story and origin, there's a lot of sacrifice that goes in it. Mm. And uh, there's, there's, uh, there's not a day that goes by that, um, that uh, I don't appreciate the sacrifice that my grandparents made and also my parents, because I know the story. And I, I'm sure you you have a story to share about sacrifice and moving from uh, the island of Tonga. And, and every Polynesian family has that story. And uh, um, so we moved to California, you know, new country, new life, new environment. Well, I'm an OC boy. Uh, grew up in Orange County, California. And uh uh, we lived out there, went to high school there. Um, uh, have uh, older brother George, uh, older brother Daniel. My sister is Raylene. Uh, she currently lives in Las Vegas. Actually, my entire family moved to Las Vegas, Nevada. And then my younger brother is Tony. He currently lives in uh, Eugene, Oregon. But uh, we we grew up in Orange County. I mean, everything from Southern California. We're we're trekking all over the place. Um, 
And, um, you know, you, you bump into some people along the way that have similar stories like you. And, and that's been like uh, an assurance of like, okay, so your family migrated too. You know, you you moved uh, out of mm -hmm. your home country mm -hmm. to, to in search of a dream. Uh, but yeah, it's it's always uh, fascinating to kind of hear and listen to to people's origin story. And and I went back and watched all of the podcasts, Coach V, and it's it's great to kind of hear everyone's origin story yeah. because it's fascinating because everyone has a story to tell and it's based on that origin and how you went from point A to point mm. B. So. Yes, um, I'm, I, I was always fascinated kind of to listen to that. So I went back and I did my homework and just, just watch and kind of listen and took some notes and, and try to find out, well, how did this person get from here to here? Mm -hmm. There's, there's something that should have, you know, that happened here that, that got to get them where they are today. And so I'm always, uh, appreciative of, of my origin story. Um, you know, being two years old and knowing what my parents went through to sacrifice and sell everything give up their career. My mom was a nurse. My dad was a banker, mm -hmm. uh, stepped away from their careers and said, you know what, we're going to drop everything and we're going to move and sell everything. We're going to move to Southern California, not knowing what the, what the outcome would be, but the hope is there. Right. And, yeah. and that's what, and that's, that's the origin story. And so uh, that's just a little bit about kind of where I'm, where I came from, but uh, yeah, I grew up in Southern California. Um, and then uh, started kind of figuring things out. I think the the dream uh, for every young young Polynesian kid growing up in Southern California is play football, play football because you see you know cats like Junior Seau, you yeah. see guys like in you know the eighties, the ladies. I'm I'm an eighties kid um, in Southern California, and so in our neighborhood, you know we we grew up in in Santa Ana, California. I mean, it's not it wasn't a dangerous neighborhood. But right. it also wasn't a safe neighborhood. Yeah, uh, it, yeah it, it, but it, we were happy. We had what we need. We didn't have a big house. We didn't have anything. The cool thing about, you know, I love sharing about, you know, uh, growing up in Southern California is that it was a true neighborhood. I'm sure your neighborhood was like that. Everyone was out in the street. Yeah. Everyone was playing ball. There was no video games. We were actually live video games on the street playing our own video games. <laughs> right. uh, but as soon as those lights kick off, like it turns off, you got to get back in the house. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, you know, we, that, that was our, you know, just like anybody else growing up in Southern California, that's, that's uh that was life. Um, and so growing up, you know, we got into football, it's either football or the street. Yeah. And uh, you got to choose one or the other. And, you know, fortunately for my parents, they sacrificed it and, and they put everything on the line and say, Hey, we're going to put you all in sports. And so, you know, and we you know, we were no different from some of my black friends and Hispanic friends trying to get out of the neighborhood and say, hey, we're going to go do sports. Right. So my parents put us all in sport. Uh, we went from we went from football to basketball to track. I mean, just yeah. to kind of keep us keep us going. Right. Keep us going and going down the line. But sport has been a part of my life since I was a kid. And I'm very grateful. I know kind of fast forward, but I'm grateful that I can be in a position where I can teach it. Mm. Um, and um, share it in a way that how it benefited my life. Um, and, and you know, you, Coach V, I mean, you're a prime example of what sport has done for your life and your family mm. and uh, and how that's impacted your career. And it's a fascinating story. Hopefully one day you can write a book about this because I love to uh, <clears throat> to read about your, your story more in depth. But uh, it, it's something that, um, you know, sport has, uh, has a way of... Uh, 
bringing people together. Mm -hmm. You can be this ethnicity, you can be from this neighborhood, you can be from all over the place, but sport will eventually eliminate all that and put you together and force you to work together to achieve a common goal. Um, but, uh, you know, and that was kind of like my melting pot, melting pot in, in California, because we had all kinds of different races in California. We had, right. we had the Laos, we had the Samoans, we had the Tongans, we had uh, the Blacks, we had Vietnamese, and it was all one neighborhood. Yeah. And uh, my kids will always ask me, hey, dad, I mean, what was it like growing up in the 80s in California? I said, well, we had really each other. Really, that's what it was. Um, and then, you know, they would always ask, well, what was like, what was, what was the gangs like? Mm. And I said, well, you know, the interesting, interesting thing about the gangs in Southern California, when you're looking at the peak of the Bloods and the Crips during that time, mm -hmm. um, I learned a lot from that. Um, you know, fortunately, I had a good family and, and a good neighborhood that, that kept us safe, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. Church, the faith kept, keeps you safe. Um, but our neighborhood kept, we kept each other safe. Like mm -hmm. it's different. It's weird now. Cause it's different now. Right. Mm -hmm. You don't, you don't get that in neighborhoods. I mean, maybe that's just me. Right. You don't get that in neighborhoods, but back in the eighties and the nineties, like everybody was watching each other's like neighbor, like, like their, their property. Like, I mean, yeah. everyone was kind of like keeping an eye on their kids and not to say this is, this is good or bad, but you know, one neighbor would go over to another neighbor's uh, family and maybe discipline that one kid, you know, just like everyone was disciplining each other. I mean, I got disciplined from everyone, everyone's dad across the neighborhood, you know, everyone's kind of collectively trying to, to raise kids in this, in this neighborhood. But, um, you know, just kind of a long story short of, of what my neighborhood was like, it was very diverse. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's one thing that I learned from, and I took that into sport and business and anything else that I did. Um, but I never forget that. You know, you always remember like the or that's part of my origin story is yeah. the neighborhood growing up in Southern California in the 80s and the early 90s, because you don't forget that stuff. And it's it's a way to kind of use that as like a fuel um, to, to either motivate and share that story with the next generation. Um, but then I learned a lot from that. But, um, you know, I didn't really mean to kind of jump off. Uh, what the question on the origin story, but that is part of my origin is going from Sounds all good. And it's also part of uh, growing up in Southern California. There's a lot that I gained from it and learned from it. It really helped me kind of build a foundation. You don't realize that until after you leave and get older, right? And get, get yeah. old and you start looking back, reflecting. It's like, you know what? That was actually a good learning point. I learned a lot about leadership. I learned a lot about uh, teamwork. I learned a lot about, you know, um, how to communicate with people from different ethnicities and, and different walks of life. And um, I, I think that's that's a, a major, major part for me in my origin origin story, uh, making that transition from 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 Samoa to to Southern California. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Santana. Yeah. Santana. Yeah, man. Uh, talk, talk about now um, the challenges of now leaving leaving that comfort zone that's family which is everything to so many people but especially the polynesian folks where now you leave the comforts of familiarity of family of neighborhood and everything that was familiar with you to now go try to figure some things out in college talk to us about how that was please aaron 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think everyone goes through some sort of transition period, you know, in life. Mm -hmm. They're trying to figure things out. Um, uh, you know, just kind of going back a little bit on, on my story of, uh, you know, going into college. I didn't get a scholarship out of college. I didn't get recruited. I didn't get, I didn't get anything. So my, uh, I guess my kind of a turning point for me in trying to figure out this transition of, of now I'm leaving home to trying to figure out college life. So I went to junior college, didn't get a scholarship, yeah. but I was going to go to junior college and, and I was fine with that. Um, and I had to find a way to pay for it because I didn't want my, my parents to, to struggle to, I mean, they had enough on their plate and I didn't want to put that pressure on them to pay for school. So, I, you know, obviously you go get a job. And mm -hmm. uh, I remember one experience though, and I want, I want to share this because it's a powerful experience that still sticks with me today. Please. Um, I got a job yeah. and uh, I was working in a department store. And uh, and my first job working in a department store, my job was to kind of take clothes off out of the truck that that's loaded and pull it in the back and, and bring it in from the truck into like the storage room and kind of unpack it to get ready for it to go on the floor to be sold. Right. That was mm -hmm. my job. And so I wasn't in the front. I wasn't a cashier. Nobody saw me. Um, and a lot of my work was just kind of unloading, unpacking, preparing and then getting it ready to go. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember one day I was like, man, this job just, you know, it's not good. You know, I'm like, there's no way I, I could be doing this. And I was kind of complaining to my dad. Right. And uh, my dad uh, got on me and, you know, and, and it's a it's a lesson I learned and carried on for forever. I mean, even today, he he uh, he didn't hear my complaint. He, he said, stop complaining. What are you complaining about? Mm. Said, oh, it's just a job, man. I just I mean, it's so boring. It's. It's monotonous. It's the same. I do the same thing every day. And he said, let me tell you something, son. Okay. If you want to be successful in life, uh, regardless of what the job is, like, for example, if your job is to sweep, be the best dang sweeper that there is. Mm. If that's your job. Because when you sweep and, and people see that you are the best sweeper, there's no question if they have an assignment that you that if they have a need for a sweeper, they know who to go to. And it taught me a lot during that time, because whether it's the sweeper or the bathroom cleaner or wherever it is, um, if you put in the time and the effort and willing to say, you know what, I'm going to be the best at this assignment, um, I'm I'm setting a a tone and a, a brand for myself. And I think that gets lost a lot. And mm. because sometimes we ignore those positions and those jobs, say, oh, I don't do that. That's not my, that's not my job or I'm too big for that. So mm. I'm not, I'm not going to sweep. And, and something, one thing is, uh, many of the things I, I touch, I, I touch on in, in my classes working with students is it doesn't matter what the job is. It's how you perform the job. Mm. And if you want a job, like move it up in the job, you got to do the simple task of performance in this one job. Then you can kind of build on these other things. But a lot of times, uh, young uh, graduates, they want the big job. They don't want to do the little job. I want to do the big job. Well, you can't do the little job. And so it's a lesson that I learned from my dad. If I'm going to be the sweeper, I better put everything in being the best sweeper. And uh, that was a turning point for me. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to. I'm going to stop complaining. I'm going to. I'm going to go to work. Whatever that job is, I'm. I'm going to go to work. So, you know, I did a lot of things to kind of help pay for, for college, um, you know, went and did some things and went to different schools, basically uh, made my way to Rexburg, Idaho, 
later down the line. So shout out to Rexburg, Idaho. I know you've yeah. been in Rexburg quite a bit. <clears throat> and uh, so I went out there, went to school. I met my wife uh, at uh, Rexburg. At, back then it was Rick's College. So today's difference. It's, yeah, uh, yeah, UIU. yeah. But uh, Rick's College is where I uh, used to be. And I uh, met my wife there. And we, um, you know, after I finished the associate degree, got a scholarship to play football at Adams State. Didn't know where that was. Never been here before, but uh, I knew God had a plan for me. And so I said, okay, I'll do it. It's like, I'll take it. And, um, you know, I took, uh, took a chance going to a, a place unknown and uh, willing to make the best out of it. And it always reflected back on being the sweeper, right? Being the best sweeper. If I'm going to go somewhere and they give me a job, um, I'm going to do the best at that job because it has a reflection on my own brand and my own reputation. Uh, so we made our way out here. And um, uh, this this university being a Division II small town, college town, it's been home for for my, my wife and I and also for the kids. Um, and it's given me a lot of opportunities that I never would have thought of if I would have uh, gone a different route. And um, so I, 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 it reflects back on the origin story and how is it how I, I was able to get here from from point A to point B? Oh, that's phenomenal. I mean, not only did you uh, you know try to expand on your comfort zone. I mean, you jumped right out going from Santa Ana to Rexburg, Idaho. I mean, that's like just jumping into the like uncomfort zone to the max for a Cali boy, right? That is. That and, is. and then so so take take some of those experiences, right? Born in Samoa, coming to Santa Ana, and then got into sports, tried to figure out life leadership business, okay, excellence and everything. I mean, it's amazing how many people think that they'll start taking care of something with excellence when they get the good thing. Yeah. When they can't take care of the thing that they got right in front of them. I was, I'm just like, uh, Dad, how come you always washing our car so much? Because that's what I treat it like it's, you know, my dream Mercedes. And then when I had the chance to buy my dream Mercedes, I found a Kia Tellu ride that had all the bells and whistles. And I'm like, this is 42 grand. I'm good with right here, right? So, but it's just amazing that that story and then you explaining it that way. Then you go to Rexburg, meet your wife, starting to figure things out. I mean, shout, shout out to Chadron State. Are they still in your guys' league? Because They cause, are. Cause we played Chadron State. We played Mesa State when I was at UC That's Davis, it. right? So I, I, I'm familiar, not that I know, but I'm familiar with, with the region. I'm, I'm familiar with, uh, in fact, I think the current head man for, for Boise State, um, Andy Avalos started in that conference was his first paid job is coming out of that conference. Right. Um, and shout out to Cesar Rivas, my guy yeah. um, who, who connected him with that job, but, but take the culmination of from your Genesis story or your starting point, And then all of the things that you're going through now, going for your doctorate, got, got your master's, you coach football, sure. then you started teaching a little bit, like what would be your message to the world and to our people particularly, but what would be a general statement that people can can hang their hat on and go, okay, <laughs> this right here can help me regardless of what their ethnicity is, their gender, their religious beliefs, all that. What would be a message to the world, Brother Aaron? 
Yeah, I think, um, um, you know, in life, we all go through challenges, right? We all have these bumps in the road and things. Uh, one of the things that I share a lot in, in lectures and meeting with students, and, and I, I bring up a, a research study, um, and I'll reference it so I'm not like plagiarizing or anything like that, but it, it's a research study on, on turnaround leadership. And uh, it's done by Frontier in 2012. And he gives like five steps, um, five steps, because this is not his steps. Actually, he actually did a research and he, uh, in that research included like ADs from the NCAA, MLB executives. And so there's quite a bit of uh, um, of data that's that's included in this research. But there's five things that he talks about, about uh, turning things around, right? Mm turning things around. And from the research of these executives and from the NCAA and also from Major League Baseball, number one, right, on the list from the start is lead past losing. And and, and I share that a lot because I think a lot of times we, um, it's hard to like get over some mistakes, you know, some mm -hmm. things that may have like uh, been a bump on the road. You know, I've had some failures, man. I mean, I'm not perfect by any means, but um, you know, I've had some things where I had to learn from, like I had to learn from this experience, whether that's a, a job or career or anything like that. But sometimes we hold on to that loss too, too long. Like you got to like get past it. And it's like psychological. And so from these uh, executives and GMs and, and individual, uh, you know, in this, in this research, like in order to, to get an organization to turn around, they got to get over this loss. Like they got to like quickly get over it. And uh, mm -hmm. that's always stuck with me because that's been something for me. Like um, I, you know, if things didn't work out, I got to get over it. It's, it's almost like, like in sport, you know, you as a coach, like you get a loss, you got to move past that loss. We got another thing coming up here next week. And, uh, and it, the organizations are no different. And I think for me, like personally, like um, I had to like get past those losses in, in mm. life. Get, you have to like move because you're not going to move forward until you can kind of break through that wall psychologically. It's like, I'm over that. This is a new year. This is a new time. I'm in a different mindset and I'm moving forward and no one's going to stop me. Right. But getting through that breakthrough is a tough thing to do. And, and that's just from the research on, on this particular study. And, and this can be applied to anything. And so for me, like I had to get past that stuff. Like, man, I got to let go of like any of these hardships that I've been through use it like sometimes we focus so much on the wins but the losses we can learn so much from those losses and if we don't utilize those losses we're missing on some some major major learning points mm. um and so for me like i can i can learn from the wins and sometimes it's easier to learn from the wins because it looks great and uh those are things that we can build on you know quickly but sometimes it's hard to dig up the losses and look at the losses and and figure out why were they losses? And it's because of these things. And so we can learn from those. And so that was one thing that stood out to me. Um, because, and the reason why I share that is um, I was trying to figure out a job, right? Like you mentioned, like what job and career, like I wanted to go into. I, I didn't know what, what kind of business. And plus, Aaron, real talk, you're great at a lot of things. I mean, you've been a football coach, you right? Come on, come on, Aaron. You've been a, a sales guy, marketing guy. I mean, so then it's I think it's even harder for those people to pick the lane or what they want to focus on. Come on, Aaron. True or yeah, not? True, very true. I think it's very difficult to kind of pick the lane that you want to focus on and choose it, right? Because once mm -hmm, you can mm -hmm. can figure it out and choose it and you have a passion for drive and you know, you've talked about why and the purpose. 
man, there's nothing, nothing that can stop you. And uh, I think for me, I was trying to figure out what, 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 what is my why? Well, my why is my wife and my kids. Mm. Okay. Now, now what is, now what is the direction to help me get to where I want to go? Do I want to stay in advertising and marketing? <clears throat> do I want to go into coaching? Uh, do I want to go into, you know, uh, uh, some other avenue or like sport management? Like what, like, what is it that I want to do? So, <clears throat> and, and I started off in, in, in sales and marketing for my first seven years. Right. And then, you know, at, at some point I was like, I don't think that's it for me. I don't think that's it. So I switched. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to go back to school. So I decided to go back to Adam State and get my degree and figure it out. I wanted to work in sport in some capacity. Um, the interest, And so I started coaching. I was a GA, just GA coaching, um, just trying to figure out I'm going to get this degree, this degree, and let's see what happens, right? Let's see what works, what doors open. Well, one day, um, you know, I was, I was in a, a football meeting and one of the, uh, faculty was walking through the classroom like across and had my door open I was going through some things and he pops in after I excused like some of the players and again I'm not I'm not I'm just a GA right I'm just a GA and it's fascinated by your GA story it's amazing so those who don't know Coach V's GA story it's amazing um so I'm just a GA I'm just going over some meetings and things and so this this uh, faculty member just pulls over and says hey um do you mind if you teach a class for me I'm, I'm going to be gone this week or whatever it is like it teach a class like what class so he tells me like hey teach this class and um it was an economics of sport class i was like okay yeah i can teach that <clears throat> so um he gives me all the material i teach it for a week um and uh after that week that that first week he asked me to teach a second week right and he he has been he had been gone for conference and things but that second week uh the the dean actually stepped in and kind of popped in and kind of watched what I was doing in the classroom. Not, I wasn't doing anything spectacular or anything like that, but it was just happened at the right time, right? Um, the dean later pulled me aside and said, hey, would you, would you mind teaching a class like full semester next semester? And I said, yeah, I'll try it, give it a shot. And now keep in mind, I was thinking like my career is going like football, like I'm doing football and doing sport administration. I never would have thought um, mm. that it had opened up a door for me to pursue becoming a professor. And um, <clears throat> sometimes, uh, you know, if you're not ready for the moment, right, um, you can miss out on, on some major opportunities. But uh, it, was a, it was an experience that after that uh, first class that I taught, then another class was being offered. And before you know it, you know, a year later, uh, they offered me a position to teach full-time as a faculty. But I think my story with that, Coach V, is that we are evaluated whether we are paying attention to it or not. People mm -hmm. watch us, right? People watch us. They watch what we do, how we do things, how we communicate, how we interact with people. And, um, you know, we're you know, football players are evaluated every day, like in practice. They're being watched on film, evaluated, critiqued. Um, we're no different, right? People watch us, uh, watch what we do. And, we're building our brand either in a positive way or in a negative way by how we carry ourselves and how we interact and what we do in our job, uh, our work ethic. Um, I tell the students all the time, when you walk in late, <clears throat> 10 minutes, 15 minutes late, you just uh, had an impact on your brand. Like your brand now is that you're a late person, right? You're, you're, you're not uh, committed to what you <clears throat> are assigned to do in class. Um, so we are evaluated uh, and we're watched closely and I think that's a big thing for us. Huge. I mean, that origin story of your father telling you not to complain 
when you went and taught that class, you were unloading the truck with a great attitude. You were you were, you were unpacking boxes and laying the clothes out. And there goes the dean just checking and evaluating you out. Come on, excellence in all things all the time because mediocrity in one thing leads to mediocrity in everything. Absolutely. It, right. Right. Yep. Walking in late means Absolutely. you're not trustworthy. I yep. can't trust this person, can't which is ironic because when I got out of football and I'm freakish about <laughs> time, I mean, just you and I just going back and forth as football guys is like, oh, man, I better buffer this time. I don't think I could get there by this time. And, and you're like, oh, coach, I got I got to reschedule here. And I'm like, man, I love the reschedule there, but let's buffer it by 10 minutes yeah. because I am freaked out <laughs> about time because it yeah. does reflect on me. So as we close out here. Uh, let, let's talk about a few things. So you talked about your, 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 your message to the world is this turnaround leadership, meaning lead past losing, right? I call it get back on track. Yeah. And then for most people, I call it response behavior, regardless of what it is that you're going Perfect. through, you have the right to be human and react according to what happens to you. But the successful respond according to two things, the, their success and their life fulfillment. Right. So they get back on track faster than most. And that's why it's called the emergency response systems, right. because there's a trained, there's, there's, there's a design, there's a training involved that when this happens, this is how we respond, right? And then so for most of us, I love that concept, right, is the lead past losing is I get the fact it sucks. I get the fact that you lost someone you love more and as long as you have to. Right. But eventually here's two things that should get you back on track in the trajectory of your life, leadership and business. What do you need to do to achieve and succeed? And then what is it that you need to do to create amazing life experiences and life fulfillment? Come Amen. on, come on, Aaron. Amen. And then you close off on, on that and let's wrap that up and move forward. What else? Yeah, yeah I, I think, I mean, you're, you you hit it on. I mean, right on the nail as far as like, you should allow yourself to have some emotions and feelings anytime yeah, you're, yeah. you're dealing yeah, with, yeah. with challenges. And that's that's normal. I think that's a that's a normal response to be able to give yourself give yourself some time to to deal with the loss, whether it's yep. losing a job. Now, I've lost a job. Right. Yeah. Uh, whether I've you're been fired. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and, and those are those are real. I mean, it could be you know, family, like you mentioned, a family loss or family job or financial, physical, whatever, whatever the case may be. And, and that's natural and normal that we should allow ourselves to go through those emotions at our own time and be able to respond when the time is right. Like you mentioned, we should be able to get back on track. And I love the way you said about getting back on track and having a plan in place and what those objectives are. But you know, I think a lot of times. Uh, we don't we don't uh, we don't we don't look at those as much as we should, I guess. <clears throat> I think that's where we can really benefit is if we can look at those experiences. I think you, you start to look at it more as you get older. Uh, maybe when you're younger, you're just trying to get to the next step, the next thing, the next thing. Um, but I think for me, if there's something that I can share uh, with anyone that is listening uh, is the lead past to losing use that as leverage to help you push through some of these these major walls that are preventing you from moving forward. Um, use Utilize your resources, use, utilize your family, your faith, your friends. You got support around you, um, but you have to drop the bags. You have to drop mm. them. Drop the bags and just go through the wall. Uh, your family's there. You got your support. 
Uh, I know you have a beautiful wife and kids. You're you're there, my wife and kids. Um, so when I know that I have my wife and kids, um, you know, um, that has my back, uh, it doesn't matter what the wall is because I can go through it. But in order for me to get through that wall, I got to drop those bags and that's carrying me and holding me back. Um, so that's that's one thing that I can kind of you know reiterate and, and how important that is and to lead past losing is to really focus on uh, yourself, work, working on self care. Uh, working on, you know, your motivation and things that's going to help you push forward. I love that. Man, forget the haters, the critics, and the naysayers. Let's talk Absolutely. about your own self-doubt, right? The self-sabotage within us yeah. that we forget that we can be our own hero. Final, final on that, and we'll, and, and we'll go into shout-outs for you, Brother Aaron. Yeah. We can yeah. be our own hero. No one's coming to save us. And forget the haters, the critics, and the naysayers. Let's let's focus on the self sabotage. Mm -hmm. Come on, come on, Aaron. And yeah, we'll move on. Yeah, the, the self sabotage. I think sometimes we just we do it to ourselves, right? Nobody else is doing it. Now you do you do have some people who are criticized, and yep, you yep. know that, and that's common in sport. You know, you see it in Twitter. You see people just bashing on this, and the you know media is bashing, and you got social media people, um, and so that that's common that we see in sports. Sometimes we we do it to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And when we do it to ourselves, we don't give our, ourselves uh, enough credit. Mm. We don't we don't pat ourselves on the back enough. Like, and I know I, I I'm speaking for myself. I don't do it enough. Sometimes I'm I'm my hardest critic. Um, but that being the hardest critic on yourself is a self sabotage, and it's going to prevent you from moving forward and getting past some of these challenges that you're you're trying to push through. Um, you know, you're going to have negativity around you regardless, right? But if you're doing it yourself, there's no mm -hmm. one that, that's going to help you unless you do, you know, and, unless you actually, um, you know, motivate yourself to utilize those resources to get past those situations. But yeah, I agree yeah. with you 100%, Coach V. I think self-sabotage is like, man, that's that's one thing that can, you know, hurt an individual and also a business, even a mm -hmm. leader, um, and it's, if, if that individual or people or group in, in an organization can't do that, um, it's going to struggle. Like it's not going to move anywhere. Um, and so, yeah, if there's a way that we can kind of move past that and, and really reflect on what things we can do and what things we can control. Yeah. Very good. That, that, that's so, that's so underrated doing the things that we can control that that's such an underrated deal because it's so powerful to just to do what we can do. Yeah. Um, and, and in that final shout out. So we've talked about your parents, right? We talked about your brothers and sisters. We talked about the fam. Uh, who else would you love to shout out before we close off the show here? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of people. I won't go into details, like as far as people. There's just just a lot of family and friends um, that you know that been through me for, from the ups and the downs. Mm. Um, more the downs, right, than the ups. I mean, when you're up, everyone's celebrating with you. But when you're down and you look around and there's only two people there, <laughs> those are the two people that you should thank, right? Because they're still with you. Um, so I'm very grateful for my wife and my kids. Uh, they've been through me on the downs uh, and also my parents, my family. Um, but, uh, you know, shout out to Adam State for giving me this opportunity to be in this mm. platform. Um, you know, God is good, brother. Amen. God Never is good. Talk. And uh, I wouldn't be here without uh, faith. 
And uh, I know I'm here for a reason. And I know you're there for a reason for what you do. Uh, because uh, if we're not uh, in these positions and we're not inspiring the next generation, um, we're not doing our job. And um, and that's that, that's what motivates me is is I, I'm in a position and in, in platform where I can uh, motivate this next generation to move forward and be leaders in whatever industry they decide to choose. And uh, that's something that I don't, I don't take for granted at all because uh, it's a it's a very important position to be in. Whether you're a teacher, a motivator, a public speaker, a coach, uh, those uh, positions are critical, especially when you're working with young kids and young adults. Because if you look at, you know, into the future, we need these leaders to be ready. And um, mm. so I'm grateful for this position that I'm in. I couldn't be here without, uh, you know, the opportunity with the university. Oh, that that that's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. So thank thanks for coming on the show. So and, and, and tell us. Absolutely. Tell us, brother, um, how can people get a hold of you? So if other people see this, like I could see my boys with the, you know, behind the Lava Lava podcast and and all these guys that are going to be out there and all these shows and these wonderful people all around the <clears> world. Right. Um, how can they get a hold of you and, and how do they do that? Could you share your social media handles? And then I will have his handles as well in the description below on any post it is that you're seeing here today. Go ahead. Brother. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty active on social media. Um, uh, you know, everything I do is professional because I represent my family, my faith and school and everything I do. So everything is, is professional. So you can reach out to me on LinkedIn and I'm not hard to find, to be honest, okay. brother. If it, um, LinkedIn, anything, you just reach out to me. Um, you can get onto the Adams State University website, Google there, get my direct line and, and email and things. And um, I try to connect with people as much as possible and uh, awesome. because it, it's 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 a way to, you know, like you said, man, relationships, brother. Yeah, right. Yes, sir. Relationships means everything. And uh, you got to have relationships with people. Sometimes uh, a lot of younger generation, they don't see it the way we see it. So hopefully that, uh, you know, things that you're doing uh, is inspiring the younger, gen younger generation to, to really focus on building relationships with people and uh, whether yeah. that's in your own network or reaching out to someone else outside their network. But uh, yeah, brother, I mean, I, I think that's, uh, that's something that, um, you know, I love to connect with people outside of my own circle. So yeah, I'm easy to, easy to find. Yeah. Thank you for that. And, and, and what the soon to be PhD doctor is saying is what I say most of the time in terms of at least how I phrase it is that there's money in the transaction, but the wealth is in the relationships. No doubt transactions yeah. matter. No doubt that I, I am not disputing that in any way, shape or form, but then also realize that relationships matter more. Yeah. And, and everyone at high levels, they really have an amazing network because in the hood, Places like Pomona, Santa Ana, you know, Baldwin Park, Long Beach, Compton, Englewood, you know, wherever it is that you go, that's hood. I mean, there's this perspective that you got to keep your circle tight, right? Yeah. And then so, yes, that's true. But the V formation in nature is the most efficient traveling formation in nature. They increase their range by traveling in a formation of migratory birds of 25 or more versus a smaller group wow. or by themselves. 
71% increase in range for the people out there who want to look it up. Because this ain't some Coach V stuff. That's this is this is what life leadership and business says. So network is huge. And you won't talk to somebody for years. But when I pick up the phone, because it's usually to help someone else. Come on. Come on. Sure. Uh, yep. When I pick up the phone, I get a call back <clears throat> within an hour. It could be years since we've talked. But I've been very fortunate and blessed to always have that. Though my broke ass couldn't afford lunch, uh, I got free breakfast at school in Pomona, free lunch, right? But the one thing that I think we were always had, at least growing up in the hood, because in the hood, you step out of line, you're going to get course corrected yeah, uh, in the absolutely. hood now, right? And very different than the suburb that I live right now. Like people let things slide and all that. Man, it don't matter what religion, what what gender, what race you were. Man, when you stepped out of bounds in a disrespectful way, you're going to get put in check. And there will be a course correct. Come on. Come on, Aaron. That's and it. So, That's so true. And, and, the, and the corporate world is, is, is different. The backlash is different. And, and how quickly it happens is different than the streets. Right, but right. it's very similar. So when you have good relationships, it's just amazing. Aaron, man, right. thanks for taking time. We got to get you back on the show Again, but in studio, um, and Brother Q and my man Ammon, we'll, we'll set up some studio time to, to connect down there, especially when you finish that PhD, because I Absolutely. really want to highlight that, man. So thanks for coming on the show. And for everybody out there, thank you for tuning into this episode of the Coach V Show, where iron sharpens iron, together we rise. And for, for Aaron and I, we just don't come on shows like this just for the sake of success, but really for the sake that you be your best. Because in doing so, you realize the best of your abilities and that everything that you dream, work, and pray for can be achieved. This is how your boy Aaron, your boy Coach V, lives all about faith and family, grateful for God's amazing grace. Thank you again to Brother Aaron for coming on the show. Shout out to the Thanks, Island City Media Group and then also Dash Radio Studios, Hollywood, California, for letting a tongue and brother have a Hollywood professional and personal <laughs> development show. That's awesome. Boulevard in Hollywood. I really appreciate that. If you love the content here, please subscribe to my YouTube uh, channel at Coach Villiami. Connect with me and Aaron on all our social media platforms. We would love the fellowship. Until next time, thank you again to Aaron. It's your boy, Coach V. We'll see you next week on Mono Motivation Monday here on Island City, where the beach meets the streets. Choo-hoo! Choo-hoo!